It's hot as balls. I mean, Chris looks like he's working at McDonald's right now. Like, I'm really good at going back in time because I'm black. Hey guys, welcome back to Split Screen Media Podcast. This is episode 29 uh, or season two, episode three. Um, we are a media podcast that talks about movies, video games, general entertainment news, comics, nerd stuff, and gets into our personal lives a little bit. Um, with me, as always, this week is my wonderful co-host, Connor DuRose. Hey, everybody. And returning to our podcast is great friend Austin. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, if you haven't seen Austin's other episodes, it was 14 and 25. I'll put it on the screen. Um, it was, The last one you were on was the Justice League one, I believe. Yeah, the uh, yeah. Snyder cut and review. Mm. I was just going to say, definitely check that one out uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen that one, because that's a really good episode only half the length of the snyder cut so <laughs> it's a fourth of the length it's true actually <laughs> yeah no i really like that episode a lot if for anyone who hasn't seen it I, the way i put it together was that i edited it like the actual movie so it's broken up into seven parts um and i tried to like come up with clever titles for each of the segments like they did in the actual film um yeah after okay. you posted it i jumped in there and it was I liked all the titles you came up with. I found it really funny. <laughs> it's the best I could do in Windows Movie Maker for now. <laughs> now we're working in uh, some better editing. So hopefully you guys will see, uh, you know, some better stuff in the future. But yeah, uh, Chris, do you want to jump right into our topics today? Yeah. So uh, just a fair warning for anybody. Um, it's pretty much a Marvel episode, but there's going to be spoilers. So we're going to talk about Loki and Black Widow. And this is your warning i'll put it on screen i'll put it in the description but from this whole episode just assume uh like everything is on the table so we can go right into spoilers correct we're not you know we're not going to do like a little section of spoiler free and then go into it uh if you want um i was just i mean we can just give our general thoughts spoiler free and then we can go into spoilers i just wanted to be like we might let something slip like I'm not yeah. going to filter myself. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll th- yeah, I'm going to give general thoughts, but yeah, be warned. We might spoiler it or you know spoiler something. So don't uh, you know don't watch if you don't want anything spoiled. I guess. So Connor, what are, what are, are we we talking about Loki first, right? Oh uh, yeah, let's do Loki first. Okay. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts on it? I absolutely loved this show, um, and that's saying a lot because I think the first two MCU shows I wasn't crazy about. Um, WandaVision had a lot of good moments, um, but I think it was kind of half a good show. The Wanda and Vision stuff was really good. And then all of the side characters and villains, I didn't care about at all. Um, And then Falcon and the Winter Soldier was just so goddamn boring. Like it, it, again, moments that I liked, but for the most part, didn't, you know, wasn't crazy about it. I was going into this show expecting it to be the worst one. I'm not a huge Loki fan. I've never really empathized or sympathized with his character in the MCU. Um, But this is far and away the best show that they've made so far. And I honestly think one of the best things they've done in recent memory in the MCU. Austin, what do you think? Uh, I'm pretty much on the same page. I really liked WandaVision up until the last episode where it felt like a Disney Channel original like fight scene and all that. There were a couple good scenes, but yeah, um, they really didn't stick to Landon. Uh, as far as Captain or 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which needs a shorter title. Um, I have a lot of problems with it. I actually had to watch it twice because my fiance uh, didn't watch it as it came out weekly. And so then she wanted me to go back and watch it all with her. Not a good experience. Um, but Loki was phenomenal. It, um, it reminded me of watching the Eternals trailer uh, where a lot of Marvel movies and shows and stuff, they have the same vibe. It all feels very in-universe, but I think this is the first thing we've gotten other than maybe Ragnarok that feels uh, way different. It's kind of creepy. It's ominous. It, it's definitely playing with a lot of like comic book ideas, uh, multiverse and stuff like that, that um, I think 10 years ago, if you had tried releasing something like this, no one would have understood or watched it uh, except for like really niche like comic readers. Yeah, I totally agree with that. This is definitely something that needed to be done later in the MCU's life. Um, and I totally agree. Like Thor Ragnarok or like Guardians of the Galaxy before that, this feels like a very unique take on the MCU. Um, but Chris, what are you, what did you think about the show? Uh, I think the show is phenomenal. I can't draw any comparisons to Falcon and Winter Soldier because I still haven't seen it. <laughs> I guess, Austin, you've seen it twice for me. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. <laughs> um no, I think it's phenomenal. I think uh, I, I like the way that it, it introduces a lot of characters and we see them grow and a lot of the challenges that come with what happens in the show. Um, I think I have to agree 100% that it had to happen later in the MCU where like a lot of stuff is kind of already established, like how things work. And there's a lot of references to be appreciated that call back a lot of things in the MCU. So and from the comics and everything, so. And it's very interesting, too, because um, if you had come to me like three or four years ago and said, how are they going to do uh, Multiverse of Madness? Because we knew that was coming out after um, Far From Home. In Far From Home, Mysterio says he's from Earth 616. What you did with the tower. We could use someone like you on my world. I'm sorry, your world? Uh, Mr. Beck is from Earth. Just not ours. There are multiple realities, Peter. This is Earth, Dimension 616. I'm from Earth 833. We share identical physical constants, level four symmetry. I'm sorry, you're saying there's a multiverse? Another universe, done. They explain it and they could have left it like that, or at least had that be the explanation for how a multiverse system would work. And then they jump right into Doctor Strange. They didn't have to give us Loki and go so full in on it, but I'm so happy they did because it's, actually special and unique and i think really inspired yeah i totally agree and also I, I think it's worth mentioning what you were talking about how these episodes still come out um week for week it's not all at once like most shows do it now for the other two shows it almost felt like a chore i was like oh yeah okay this show comes out today i guess i'll watch it this show i was so excited every wednesday to get like a new episode and i've never felt that way with any of these shows before i was like I was like, oh my God, it's Wednesday again. I get another episode. And I think this show, unlike the other two, was consistently good the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, there may have been like a few dips here and there where I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird or I didn't love that. But overall, the show maintained its quality throughout the entire runtime. I didn't watch it week to week, um, but I think like episode <clears throat> to episode, I was more hyped for the next one than like you said like in WandaVision which I also watched like all in one binge um, but there was definitely a moment I think it was after episode 4 
I had to stop watching and I was like, God damn it. I don't want to stop watching. <laughs> We're, uh, nuts. That, yeah, was and that it was the, uh, was the three dudes. I don't want to like spoil anything in case anyone didn't, uh, I, is still sticking around, but yes, I think that is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's stuff with Mobius. There's stuff with Loki. And then, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, that episode ends so well. And I mean, oh my God, <laughs> I was flipping out. The after credits of that episode too is, I think, I think we're safe to go into spoilers at this point. Okay, yeah. I, I, if yeah. you, you're, yeah, if you haven't watched it, go watch it, stop watching this and then come back <clears throat> if you want to hear our thoughts on everything. But yeah, um, the end of this show had such major ramifications for the MCU as a whole. I was very surprised that they did that in one of their TV shows. Yeah, and that's what people have been wanting, right? With WandaVision, we wanted Mephisto or something that was going to really alter the MCU. And it didn't. I mean, Doctor Strange didn't even care about what was fucking happening. Um, so why should we? And then with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, like, it was kind of a small story. They had to rewrite a lot of the story anyway. Um, so you can't fully blame it for not sticking any part of its landing. This one, I mean it gave us multiverses it's more tied in right now to the next doctor strange and probably hopefully um spider-man than i think wandavision was uh originally so and to just leave it there to not unpack any of what they just gave us and just show us that statue of gang and then say peace season two yeah absolutely um and not only i think does this show provide a lot for people who are invested in the MCU. I think this show is just incredibly well-made overall and showcases a lot that we don't usually get. Uh, for instance, like really, really good art direction. The music in this show is so fucking good. Incredible. And, and you never get that in MCU stuff. I mean, like sometimes the music is serviceable or just kind of okay, but most of the time it's, you know, pretty forgettable. But like that theme is running through my head right now of, you know, the TVA theme and Loki's theme. Mm -hmm. And man, it was just like such a breath of fresh air compared to you know, something else we're going to talk about a little bit here. But, <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't get enough of it. What do you guys think of uh, like all these TV series tying into the MCU? This is the, this, like you said, this is the first one where it really has implications for the rest of the, the films. Um, what do you guys think of like having to watch all these TV shows? to like get a part of the i mean uh, i'm story i'm fine with watching the i'll watch almost anything marvel uh i mean i really disliked falcon and winter soldier for a lot of reasons but even that wasn't as bad as like thor dark world it was at least serviceable and as long as they keep giving me serviceable i'll probably still watch it because i'm just a consumer i will i'm just unabashed like i'm a huge fanboy for all this stuff and um even for the moments, like the whole thing, like Falcon and Winter Soldier can be really shit, but I still watch it for those moments where Bucky says, if he was wrong about you, he was wrong about me, which gives me chills. The rest of that show is garbage, but um, <laughs> I, I'll still watch all of it just so I can hopefully get these moments with characters I really care about. And yeah. I think we got a lot of that in Loki, which I, the reason I asked that question is because I feel like Loki is different than the TV shows that have kind of tied into the MCU before so much different i mean these other two tv shows were kind of like hey this is sort of a sample of what's going to come next so for wandavision it's like hey be sure to tune in when you see dr strange 2 
And then mm-hmm. for Falcon the Winter Soldier, it's like, hey, we're making a, <clears throat> excuse me, we're making a Falcon movie. So be sure to watch that. But this felt like it's such an important moment in the MCU. It, it, to me, it's kind of like, even though I don't love the movie, Age of they always reference Age of Ultron in these movies going oh, yeah. forward. It's such a pivotal moment in the MCU in terms of the plot moving forward. And I feel like this is that, except it's good. <laughs> like, it's not shitty. Um, well, I thought I thought uh, with this show, like when I in the first like episode or maybe two, um, like when we start to learn about the TVA and how Loki's kind of in like this like void, not the void, but like this area that like time's different and you can go back and he's supposed to be a variant or something. I thought it was just going to be like kind of a closed loop show where like it doesn't have any effect. It was just going to like uh, Hulk hates stairs. And then that's where we start. And we're going to end with Hulk hates stairs. And I thought that's how it was going to go. And it was not at all. <laughs> I was, I was right there with you. Um, I was the least excited for this show because I thought it would be, Oh, it's just Loki jumping through time, having fun misadventures. We even get in the trailer, him being, um, uh, the plane hijacker guy so you think it's just him jumping through time you're not expecting this whole weird conspiracy it, um if you ever played the video game control it has that kind of vibe that brutalist mixed with like mystical vibe um which is all just really unique um and then to have yeah that much impact where it's a must watch i don't think there's anyone that i mean chris you're gonna watch all the new marvel movies without watching falcon Winter soldier i don't think you'll have much problem figuring out what's going on <laughs> you'll, you'll much watch. yeah <laughs> you'll get everything that's happening um and and i i agree with you to, uh, to a certain extent about um just like the character in general too which for me is why i wasn't super excited um but I, what what i really wasn't excited about was being like oh we're going back to 2012 loki i was like all this stuff that's happened to him like why do i care about this version of him when that was so long ago and it's not the character that everybody likes now or that everybody sort of grew up with whatever but they do a really good job of sort of quote-unquote catching him up to speed with everything that's happened first episode you're there he's he knows what his story is and watching him deal with that um in in multiple stages too a, a stage of fuck i'm not good i'm like i can't win then he immediately like turns it like no I'm going to turn this into a win for me. And that immediately turns him into a really interesting character you want to go on this adventure with. This is the same guy that killed Coulson and really fucked up capturing New York, but he's still going to keep on trying. And by the end of it, I like him more than I like him at the end of Ragnarok, interestingly enough. I totally agree with that. And it's interesting too, because they do two things in that episode to bring him up to speed for him and for us, the audience. They have Mobius sort of deconstruct the character like ask him why are you doing this like what what makes loki tick essentially mm-hmm. and then i really like the idea of him when he what I, I don't remember exactly what happens but like he's messing with time and he ends up back there everyone else is trying to catch up to him and he gets to watch his life unfold and watch how um, he dies yeah and see how he dies by the way when that like super eight whatever tape like it kind of flies off it's the end like an out, old yeah. film reel that was so genius it actually had his variant number on it. If you looked, if you saw, like at the oh, end did of the it tape, really? mm-hmm. so you oh, knew that was that was specifically like the tape for him. Which of course the TVA can produce any tape on anybody, but yeah. Well, and I I like that they also set it up so that 
might not be how he died. Um, it was classic Loki. Uh, he says that he actually, that was all uh, mysticism, it's imaginary. And that's not to say that's exactly what happened in the sacred timeline, what we saw in Endgame. But now it's like, it could have been. And in the future, we could get that Loki again. Um, and maybe like a Loki assemble type moment um, in season two or something like that, where he maybe has to find other variants. Oh, I see exactly what you're saying. So like the classic version of Loki, that's the one that actually moved forward on the prime timeline. So on the prime timeline, technically he didn't die. Yeah, because so, because it's weird how time works. It's not a line. It's like, it's all happening all at once to the TVA. And so they're outside of it. So the classic Loki says that um, when, in Endgame, when we see him die, he didn't actually die. He um, went and drifted off to some desert planet that no one lived on. And it wasn't until he reintroduced himself to reality that um, he sparked a Nexus event and the TVA showed up and uh, took him away. So technically speaking, that Loki could be on our timeline or sacred timeline, which doesn't even really matter anymore now that there's going to be an infinite number of timelines. Yeah, and and another thing they did with introducing the multiverse that I thought was clever is um, in the first episode when they make the Infinity Stones worthless, basically, like literally and figuratively shelving them away. Like we're done with the storyline. We're done talking about these. Like they're not important anymore. And they're using them as paperweights. They're literally using them as paperweights. Yeah, (laughs) and I think that's the absolute smartest thing that they can do because um, I've heard other reviews of. Black Widow, which we're going to talk about later, but where people, they don't feel like the tension's there. For Black Widow, one of many reasons, um, but specifically, the villain. Who cares? Who cares that you have a spy network? Thanos came in here, snapped his fingers, half the universe went away. Um, and so they either have to jump the shark in a major way to make you care again, um, or they have to tell you that it's all kind of pointless and it doesn't matter, that um, like, and that's what they do with the finale. They say, hey, yeah, um, all that's predestined anyway. Good guys will always win. Bad guys will always lose. It's just a huge cycle that we go into. This is where it matters, but it also doesn't matter right. uh, in a way because it's just going to come back around. It's just going to come back around to that point where someone has a choice to kill King, and they either can and they can make more multiverses or they don't and they run the tva it's all pointless and absurd so just sit down watch your movie eat your popcorn and have a lot of fun watching this stuff yeah no i completely agree and it's 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 interesting you bring that up too because i feel like another thing that this show does differently than every other mcu property is that there's no real villain in this show like i in a in sort of an abstract way you could say the villains are time and fear mm-hmm. which is very different for an mcu thing which is usually just the opposite version of the good guy in a different color that they have to beat up in a laser fight like the end of the show is literally 40 minutes of people talking in a room and it's great like, it was it's amazing so good. <laughs> the entire like monologue i was literally gripping my seat i was watching it just i didn't want it to stop i wanted him just to keep talking the acting was amazing the tension was high and there was very little like action happening it was just a lot of information a lot of important stuff being thrown at you and then 
you know what the characters are going through, what they're battling with and what may or may not happen. And it just really builds up to this awesome point. And then it, it lands, it does something interesting and impactful that it, when it says season two, you're just like, all right, is that today? Yeah. <laughs> I was so bummed when this show ended and I can't say that about either of the others. Like I was like, Oh fucking finally this is over. But (laughs) this one I was actually sad about. Um, And real quick, since we're in spoiler talk anyway, um, I want to briefly mention, maybe not briefly, but I definitely want to talk about Kang and how I think his introduction was maybe one of the best, if not the best villain introductions in the entire MCU because I really like the idea that this is the best version of the villain. The, the, the version that you meet has defeated all the others, has condensed the timeline into this one timeline to prevent the other versions of himself from taking over. So you're looking at like, not the most evil version, but definitely the most powerful. And the fact that he's so sort of indifferent at the end of time now that you know he's been guarding this timeline for so long and he's clearly lost his mind like he's kind of kooky and weird and i like jonathan major's performance i ate it up because it was very shakespearean Mm -hmm. and like kind of out there and i just i loved every second of it i think the most important thing about what you just said though is that he might be the best of him he's one he's still afraid though loki says who are you afraid of and he says i'm afraid of me yeah. I'm afraid of all of the me's that are out there or could be out there. And that kind of is chilling in a way, because you know, when Sylvie kills him and he says, I'll be seeing you. That's yeah. A lot of them. And um, whatever we get, because we all know it's leading up to this big secret war. That's why Nick Fury is in space. That's why we have the, um, the Kree or whatever. We're getting to this point where that's going to be the next end game in a decade or so, but and so you're already terrified of this enemy that we won't really fight for another like dozen, two dozen movies. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think, unlike Thanos in 2012 Avengers, where they teased that way too fucking early, because uh, <laughs> I think they thought they were, you know, I don't know how many more movies they thought they were going to make. But this to me feels like the perfect time to do it because you haven't seen the real version of Kang yet. This is just, you know, the version of him who's, you know, a little more chilled out. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> the one that won. Um, but I was like, what a fucking genius way to A, introduce him as the 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 series Big Bad for the next couple movies. Um, maybe even, like you said, the next decade of films. Mm-hmm. And then B, also belittle Thanos as a threat. <laughs> Because not only have you, you know, now we had this whole series where he was the biggest bad and people are like, oh, where are you going to go from here? Well, they don't even give a fuck about that. Like we said earlier, the Infinity Stones are literally paperweights. They don't mean anything anymore. And I thought that was such a great way to introduce him as a villain, make him powerful and also take Thanos down a few pegs without ruining the legacy of the last two movies. Do you think Kang wanted to die so that because like he's he's got the sacred timeline he's got control of that right do you think that he wanted control of the entire multiverse and that's why he wanted to die we're getting in kind of like a a little deeper with the yeah. stuff but i think to me it was more i'm at i've reached this point 
where I'm letting you choose now. It was kind of a giving up control moment. And you see that when he's like, we've passed the threshold. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And at first he looks a little scared and then he looks excited. He's like, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's like thrilling to him. And I think he was just like, hey, you know, however this goes, it's not up to me anymore because I'm, you know, he kind of mentions that I'm old and tired. And I don't want to do this shit. So he's like, whatever you do decides the fate of everyone else, but it's not up to me anymore. It's not my story anymore. Yeah. And I think too, it might be a hint at what kind of character Kang is. He's Kang the Conqueror. He's a guy that wants to get his hands dirty. He wants to explore the timeline. He wants to fight and win he doesn't want to sit there in a tower all by himself with a really creepy uh, hologram. He, so yeah, he probably wants to die just so this can go around again and um, it can be a little more fun for him. Uh, if nothing else, he doesn't have to deal with it anymore. I think uh, maybe the question was leading because that's what I think. <laughs> like he, he is Kang the Conqueror. I think he wants, he's, he's obviously got the sacred timeline. I think he wants to be able to control more than the sacred timeline. And whether it's that variant or a different one, I think uh, like that is his like motivation. Yeah, I think the other versions of him, you know, clearly do, which is why there's a whole multiversal war going on. Um, and maybe that is what they meant by that. To me, it it felt more like an indifference kind of thing with with at least that version of Kang. He was just like, "Listen, it's your choice." He's like, "Whatever, if you want to keep this timeline going and you want to." run the TVA and continue my work, that's fine. If you want to kill me and unleash a multiversal war, that's fine too. He's like, it really doesn't matter to me anymore. Um, and I, I just thought that was such a brilliant way to introduce like the big bad by showing his ultimate form. Like the, mm -hmm. the, the maybe not, you know, the most powerful, but definitely the best version of him. And they make a point of saying that he's still a shitty person. And he says that sure. he's like, you're shitty and I'm shitty. Like I run the TVA. I've plucked people out of their lives unknowingly. And they've worked for me for eons. I don't even know how long that they've worked for him. Cause there's, you know, like they said, time moves differently in the TVA. And then they're talking about Loki and Sylvie. They're like, you've killed people. He's like, we're all villains here. It's just, it's a means to an end. Um, and I really, I am super looking forward to whenever they decide to bring him back next because Jonathan Majors fucking killed it. Well, I mean, um, I think we've got confirmation that he'll be in Ant-Man the Wasp Quantum Mania. Um, Kang will be, whether or not it's like a human looking version of him or that android. Is, um, the one thing weird about all these shows is that none of them take place after uh, Far From Home, as far as we know. Uh, WandaVision takes place like weeks after Endgame. Falcon Winter Soldier only a month or two, but um, Far From Home takes place that summer, and then Loki's outside of time. Um, so it's interesting where how this impacts anything and where it impacts it. Um, and then knowing that he's going to be in it and that all these shows are tied into what's coming next. Um, there's just a lot of questions of how. I, and I have hope and trust that it's going to be good, but I just want it right now. Fuck COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do too. How interesting would that be though? If they just decided like every movie from here on out is just a different version of Kang. Like each movie's villain is just a slight variation of that villain. Um, I think be... that'd be an interesting way to go about it. Like Ant-Man and the Wasp is like, oh, I'm from universe 
128, you know, whatever the fuck. Like, and then the next movie that has him as the villain, it'll just be spread across these different time periods and these mm-hmm. different people. I think that would be kind of cool. I think it depends on how the story moves going forward, if that's a possibility or not. Which it actually kind of makes me think that um like Jonathan Majors doesn't have to play Kang because we saw like with all the Loki variants, like we have a bunch of different people looking a bunch of different there's a fucking alligator. So <laughs> <laughs> you could cast whoever you want really for for whatever variant you want. Which yeah. is also very smart um from a very meta perspective because these movies take a long time to be made. Um, there's a line in Age of Ultron where they talk about Wanda being a kid. Uh, she's supposed to be like 17 or 18. But then we jump to uh, WandaVision where she's supposed to have aged five years maybe. Um, and she looks like she's in her 30s. Um, so that opens up a way for them to not care about who's playing who or how. They can do, I mean, we're seeing what if um, is the next show to come out. Um, and though it's animated, we're going to probably see that live action soon where, hey, we can replace Tony Stark Iron Man with whoever we want um, from a different multiverse. That might be where some of these shows end up going. It's like, hey, this may not have an effect on like our timeline, but this is just what's happening on in a different multiverse. And like, you know, maybe just like little short stories here and there from outside of our universe. So does that make uh, the Edward Norton Hulk and the Mark Ruffalo Hulk like two different variants? <laughs> I think it does. I bet you. I bet you. Is, that, that is, this, uh, is this set up now? <laughs> I actually saw this picture. It was like, so you see, after Sylvie kills him, you see all the branches uh, like outside of his window or whatever. And someone wrote um, like next to all the different branches that was like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's pretty much confirmed at this point. Um, I hope quick, so. This is why WandaVision sucks because they had this whole <laughs> this whole idea of like doing a multiversal thing, and instead of doing that with the X Men, they decide to make Quicksilver a boner joke and mean absolutely nothing. I'm like, why did you make this show before this show? One, I I hate that joke, but it still makes me laugh. Um, but two, it. He could be a variant. Uh, there's nothing saying that that wasn't kind of the introduction, though that's a cheap explanation out of it. They just wanted to make, I think, a joke, um, especially since we're getting Fantastic Four, what, like three years from now. Uh, I think this would have been a perfect time to introduce the X-Men, but I don't know if they're gonna until at least Fantastic Four, if not after that. Yeah. Fantastic Four is in this show too for like half a second. Um, in the or, or they're they're assuming that's what it is, but in the sixth episode when mm-hmm. the Marvel logo is there and you see you're hearing everything like all the the past what people are saying mm-hmm. and it zooms out and you see the universe for a brief second you see the Fantastic Four spaceship flying through space. I need to go check that out. That was super interesting. Was that confirmed, the Fantastic Four spaceship? I know it was like a rumor. It wasn't confirmed that that's what it is, but people have looked at, you know, pictures of, I think it's the ultimate version of the Fantastic Four, and that spaceship looks pretty much exactly like the other one. Um, and it does seem like Kevin Feige likes the ultimate comics, so that would that would track. Yeah, no, it does. It, he, and 
rightly so those are fucking awesome comics yeah <laughs> um but yeah i i would be really excited if that's where we're going because for anyone who doesn't know reed richards is related to kang Kang, yeah so i mean it would make sense that they would throw in a little easter egg here um speaking of easter eggs jesus christ this show is filled with them the thanos copter the um there was the the chang or, or it's q-e-n-g is the company uh that took over the stark tower in one of the mm-hmm. comics and that is in the void like, yeah where you see the big tower yeah. yeah yeah so it was like the the timeline where the battle of new york uh happened where the chang company took over which is a company run by kang so you kind of saw that um as it zoomed in mm-hmm. on whatever episode right after Loki was- went into the void five yeah five yeah okay yeah, that was basically where all of the biggest easter eggs were, were episode five it was just like a bunch of different we get frog thor yeah like frog four. Oh yeah i uh, i actually paused it in loki's uh like their little hideout thing to see like just look around and i like googled like the uh poly but bus or whatever uh pinball machine or arcade game that was in the back and that kind of stuff like i was like because at that point i had already seen a ton of stuff like there's the Hon- uh, Honus Wagner baseball card. Connor, we actually talked about that like last episode, I think, about how it's like a really rare baseball card. But since it was in the TVA and you can get an infinite amount, it means it's just shoved in the back of a drawer. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I love when they do that. There's a lot of uh, real world crossover. I don't know if you want to call it Easter eggs. It was more just like an alternate history. Um, but that ship that lands in the void was an actual ship that went missing um mm-hmm. like with all the all the whatever marines on it or the coast guard like and then it gets eaten by a lyeth that was a real ship and then the other one i'm thinking of is uh db cooper yeah and that they, was really cool yeah yeah because i actually i didn't know a lot about that but i looked it up and it plays out exactly like it does in the episode and i thought that was really fun um should we explain that for anyone who doesn't doesn't know the story what's that the db cooper. cooper story Oh, yeah, if you want. Yeah, so basically what happened was that there was a man who went, I think he said his name was D.B. Cooper. They don't really know exactly what his real name was because they're assuming it was a, a fake a fake name to get on the plane. Um, and when he did, he handed the waitress or the, the what do you call the fucking? Stewardess. Flight attendant. Or flight attendant. Yeah, yeah. Back yeah, yeah, exactly. then it was stewardess, yeah. Yeah, stewardess, yeah, exactly. Um, he handed her a note and he was like, hey, you should really read that. And she's like, oh, okay. And she reads it and he says, I have a bomb. Um, and basically he's, they, the witnesses say he was super polite. Like he was just like, hey, I really need the cash to be on the plane. We'll land, uh, then we'll go back in the air. And so they do that. They land the plane. They get everyone else off except for the, the stewardess and him. And then at some point when they get back in the air, he jumps out of the plane without them knowing i believe the story was i think i could be wrong i think he went up solo i could be wrong or he went up still with well somebody else had to be there yeah i think the pilot and the stewardess were still there i think the thought is that he climbed down into the cargo hold and slipped out from like the landing gear um and then jumped from there and they like found some cash uh like a couple miles from where they think he jumped but only a few dollars, no uh, traces of like blood or DNA. They had dogs out there for weeks and stuff. Dude just vanished into thin air. Yeah, he just disappeared. There's, there's, it's like a really 
like cool mystery you can get into because it's unsolved i think there's like a actually when i was painting this room there i watched like a 40 minute video on it and like but there's like a bunch of people who like claim to be but they like didn't really or people like accuse their family members or whatever but they did find <laughs> cash they did find cash like uh i think they did trace the serial numbers i could be wrong but i think they did trace the serial numbers back to uh like the bag of cash that they gave db cooper because like I, I assume they took note of the serial numbers mm-hmm. of cash they were giving to a hijacker <laughs> we'll call it what yeah. it is yeah, but they never found him, and they, there's no trace of him anywhere. And the show makes the insinuation that Loki, like, he was like making a bet with Thor or something, and he needed, mm-hmm. I don't know why he needed Earth money, but he was like, yeah, I, I needed this to pay Thor off. So Loki is D.B. Cooper. He jumps out of the plane, and then the Bifrost sort of takes him away as he's jumping yeah. out, which I thought was a really fun, because some of the cash gets left over, so that's why they would find the cash. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a fun little nod to our reality. But I really, I, I think I should probably mention the few things that I don't love about this show because <clears throat> they're Can few I, and far between. But just real quick, there's a YouTube channel called The New Rock Stars that has like a ton of Easter egg stuff. If you go and watch, like they break it down by episode, I'd go watch like a couple of their videos because um, it was really fun to watch after the fact and be like, oh, yeah, I totally missed that. Hmm. They like really break it down, like even down to like every uh nexus event that appeared on the tva computers and stuff it's like really cool yeah that's that would be a really good one for me to actually go back i know i missed a ton so that'd be fun to go through um real quick though i just want to mention like the few gripes i guess and if you guys have any gripes too i'd love to hear them but it's for me some of the writing um when it was in sort of the character moments was hit or miss because a lot of it felt very ad-libbed and it didn't, it felt like they were like, oh, we'll just figure it out on the day. You're charismatic people. We'll, we'll figure something out. But it leads to a lot of people going like, uh, what do you want to do about it? It's like, I don't know. How do you feel? Oh, no, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Like, it, like a weird stuttery kind of, it's like a new trend in these movies to have more quote unquote realistic dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. Um, there's a little bit of that here. And then some of the small scale action in this was shot really bad. Um, the big scale stuff, like when classic Loki's fighting Elioth and they're doing things like that, that was really fun and shot super well. But when it's people punching each other and it looks exactly like Falcon and Winter Soldier action, I was like, oh my God, this sucks. <laughs> this is so boring to watch. Like in the, the futuristic grocery store, when he's fighting the, the big redneck dude, mm-hmm. like this is not a good action sequence. Marvel, uh, for all the money they spend on all this and all the money they pay their actors they can do so much better when it comes to action and fighting scenes it's they cut every punch you it's very close in you don't know what's happening um that's why like Shane Chi actually looks really interesting because it's you can already tell from the trailers a lot of wide angle action scenes no cutting like one shots that that's what makes for good action in movies and for these movies to be billion dollar movies and we still get this really cheap um like no talent kind of action uh it's kind of disappointing uh especially the uh when they're running to the spaceship on the uh, moon planet one uh the green screen was kind of awful on that and you could kind of tell mm-hmm. they would like run three feet in one direction cut run the opposite three feet because there was a very small green screen and area they had to work with um and all of the action yeah was just very blurry dark that's like the number one sin i have with a lot of movies um where the 
CG action fest is always like pitch black, so you can't see how cheap they made everything. Um, and also the uh, all uh, another grub I have in the rocks cart when the bombs go off through the um, time doors, what happened? It seemed like it was going to be a very big deal, but nothing happened. Yeah, they're like, oh my god, this is look at all these things, and then they're just like, oh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we fixed it. It's good. <laughs> I, the the shot you're talking about on uh was a lamentous one yeah yeah where they're running and it's like sh- it's made to look like it's one shot but it it isn't it is uh, not, yeah they, they're like oh we fooled you i'm like no you did not <laughs> the yeah, camera I pans actually, up to something and it, you can obviously tell that's where the cut is and then it, yeah. there's there's like three three times like it, there's a new the new rock stars actually like broke it down where each cut is but i could identify three like in real time as i watched it it was like the fog after they got like blown back mm-hmm. uh it was that when they panned up and then when they're in the restaurant there's like a beam that goes vertically like like top to bottom and that's like a dead giveaway that that's like stitched using that beam yeah and uh, actually you can see loki super like there's like a uh, you can see like the where they superseded him over and it's mm-hmm. not perfect like he's a little it looks like double vision almost a little bit for like like half a uh half a second it's really i think i think you just don't understand loki's powers chris <laughs> oh he, yeah okay <laughs> yeah with the image projection or with the illusionary duplication that's what they say that's what they say they're very the different <laughs> and episode three was definitely the weakest episode of the the whole series i think that was the whole thing on lamentus i thought was a little fillery um not a lot yeah. happened and there then, was like one or two interesting character moments, but um, yeah, for the most part, I didn't super care about what was happening. Seeing Loki get drunk and have a little fun, and like, I don't know if you guys picked up, but um, there's a running joke that all the Lokis are really bad at metaphors. Um, when we get to the uh, the void, uh, one or two of the Lokis try making metaphors, and they all uh, really suck at it. And then the whole love is a dagger that isn't there, and all that. I found interesting, but yeah, for the most part, that whole episode, I was, that was the only time I was checking my watch. I was like, hmm, is there anything happening here? That's why I was getting a little worried. I was like, oh no, the second half of the show is going to be bad. So <laughs> I was like, I could feel the the decline. And then episode four was so good that I was like, oh, I'm not worried about it anymore. Um, what I, The one thing I really loved in episode five too, speaking of all the other Lokis, um, was when the, the president, I guess President Loki, I think he was called, mm-hmm. and then he comes in with all his minions and they're just they're kind of poking fun at the other movies where like loki is just a one note all he does is betray but they just keep betraying each other and, and it keeps cutting to tom hiddleston like jesus christ like yeah. is this what i do <laughs> and, and i thought that and was that, so fun yeah because you actually have character growth in that moment um and you get it immediately after that too when sylvie says how do i know you're not going to betray me because that is what a loki does and he is the one and only loki that we see that is kind of over all that and has a greater perspective on his glorious purpose. Yeah. And I also like how it makes sense that the only people, because we're talking about how Loki's don't, you know, we don't prosper, we survive. So it makes sense that there aren't really a lot of other people in the void. Like they would have mm-hmm. all been eaten by a life, but just like there's this weird gang of Loki's that fucks with each other. I just thought that was so fun. You want to move to uh, Black Widow? Yeah, I was just saying. I I do. I just want to mention one thing about season two 
um, which I, I am still pretty excited about, but something came out that I wasn't, uh, you know, the director. Happy. Yeah. So the director of the entire first season, so she did, she directed every single episode. She will not be coming back yeah. uh, for season two, which is a huge bummer because I think clearly her creative vision is, you know, you can see it very clearly in this entire show. And I know that that's going to be affected somewhat going forward. And that's really a bummer because the whole style of the show, I think is great. It's so fucking weird, but it's not like WandaVision weird where it feels kind of manufactured weird. This is like Watchmen weird where Mm -hmm. it's just out there and it's so strange, but it's really enjoyable. And I think we're going to lose a little bit of that charm in season two. Do they have any, do they, do we know who's going to replace her or no? They don't. I think she said she wants to do a movie in the future for the MCU. Mm-hmm. She was just like, it was just kind of like the da- the Watchmen metaphor is actually kind of strong because it's like Damon Lindelof said the same thing after season one. He's like, I made my Watchmen season and now I'm done. I told the story mm-hmm. I wanted to tell. And that's exactly what Kate Heron said about the show. She was like, I only wanted to do one season. Um, I told my story and now it's time for other people to tell their stories like with what I've created here. And I thought that was super cool, but you know, Disney can't stop something if it's profitable. So they're going to milk it to death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She does seem like it's left on a pretty okay terms. She says she loved working with them and would do it again. She didn't know about season two though. She said that um, it was as news to her as anyone else. Yeah. I think they probably asked her last minute. I think they saw the the Nielsen reports or whatever of having people <laughs> watch the first episode of Loki. <laughs> And they were like, oh, we're doing season two. <laughs> but she was like, I, yeah, I don't want to do that. I, I don't have any more to say um, with this show. I want to do something else. So I really do hope they bring her back because like, God, what a step in the right direction the show was. Um, and speaking of steps in the wrong direction, let's talk about Black Widow. You, you didn't like it that much? I didn't even dislike it that much. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I just said it was a step in the wrong direction. I just, I, I, I think uh, it was a step to the side. Yeah, I think it was a step, uh, wrong step in time, maybe uh, a little misstep, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I, yeah, I think this show definitely should have come, or I'm sorry, this movie definitely should have come out like four years ago. Could you yeah. imagine if instead of Captain Marvel coming out, uh, this had come out and then we get like, we really care about Scarlet Witch. I don't know, Scarlet Witch. Uh, Natasha Scarlett Johansson and then she dies wouldn't have that been way more impactful than hey here's Captain Marvel she's going to come in at the end of the movie yeah and I want to be very clear this is a better movie than Captain Marvel a hundred times This and, and I don't hate this movie I, I just I said this to Chris before I think when I first saw it This to me at least general thoughts I guess we'll do this movie is so aggressively bland and uninspired that it's almost worse than MCU movies that are straight up bad because I would rather have something bad that I can talk about with people than have something so bland that I just like the next day after I saw it, I forgot I watched it. Like that's how unimportant it was to everything and how kind of boring it was. I think I, oops, sorry. Oh no, I was about to say, Chris, you, I think feel a little differently than I do. I, I didn't think it was that bland. I, I definitely would prefer to watch this over like one of the, MCU movies that I think is genuinely bad. I, there's not a lot going like for the movie, but I wouldn't say that it's like a total snooze fest. 
Yeah, it's not like a they, total snooze fest. Um, but uh, Austin, where do you stand on this? Because I actually don't know how you feel. Yeah, about this so call. I saw a um, a headline that I think sums it up perfectly. It's not too little. It is too late, though. Um, it's a perfectly fine movie, and I think if it come out right after Infinity War, I really would have been into it. Um, getting to learn more about Black Widow uh, is interesting. The whole first sequence in ohio i thought was super cool um i did not like the title sequence at the beginning it uh, i think it was like what was it it was uh smells like teen spirit Uh, it was it was a terrible cover of (laughs) smells like teen spirit (laughs) and it was it was just bad it felt like something someone had done like really cheaply in after effects or something um i it immediately put me off um and i was kind of on edge starting the proper part of the movie um but i didn't there was no part that i really disliked fully um it just didn't grab me like a lot of movies did i think for most part um almost all the marvel content i've watched recently kind of gives me the chills or chokes me up inside this didn't do any of that until like the post credit scene and even that was kind of cheapened um because of my least my new least favorite character uh Val, um, God, why, yeah. Why is she coming? I'm already sick of her. Hey, Chris, I have a question for you. When you do watch Falcon Warrior Soldier about her, but um, back to like my thoughts. Um, I think there were some really good parts. David Harbor, uh, I found just hilarious. Like Chris, what do you think about him? Because I know our <laughs> version of comedy doesn't mesh well. <laughs> yeah, and all our ver- <laughs> The MCU can't do comedy. Um, I, I'll be honest. I th- until he basically until they were like kind of the family again. They were uh, there wasn't much humor in this film, and I was like, mm-hmm. we might get away with no <laughs> shitty jokes. And then they're <laughs> they're like all together, and uh, they meet. The, the mom, I forget what her name is. This movie is kind of forgettable. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it back. <laughs> but they, they, they all, they go to the mom's house or whatever, and then he starts cracking jokes, and uh, it was uh, quite a few in a row. And I was like, this, okay, this is enough. <laughs> I'll say this, Austin. I was really here for Red Guardian in that opening scene that I think is the best part of the whole movie. Which um, is almost kind of weird too, right? Because in the beginning of the movie, it's like watching uh, the Americans, uh, the I think it was the FX show. It was he was very serious. He was a Russian cold, like spy. He was a badass. And then we cut to this crazy man in a prison talking about fighting Captain America in the eighties. It didn't mesh well. Yeah, that beginning part though, I think every aspect of that was amazing. Well, I thought they were going to do an interesting thing where like in my head i assumed that it was going to be obviously natasha and um yelena is that it yelena yeah yelena they weren't related to david harbour and the mom character like clearly they were just hiding out but in my head i was like oh maybe they're just you know immigrants who maybe have done some bad stuff but they moved to america they're actually trying to um you know get their act together they're trying to start a whole new life Mm-hmm. And then they were going to portray S.H.I.E.L.D. as the bad guys who were, like, coming to hunt them down. And I was like, what a, what a neat twist. Like, you know, obviously they're not good people, but you get to see this other side of S.H.I.E.L.D. that you don't usually see, which is, mm-hmm. like, hunting people down. I was like, that's kind of interesting. 
uh that's not what happened at all yeah. it turns out that red guardian is a huge jokester yeah I, I, it it felt like two totally different characters um and i totally agree where you said it didn't mesh well I, I, it was like that opening scene and then the rest of the movie but they they didn't connect it at all no and you're right um when i saw the shield uh vans like chasing them i was like oh are we doing this thing where we see shield as the bad guys because they kind of are in a lot of ways um but no they, yeah they dropped that immediately because of the time jump and then they hand wave it away because oh it was hydra back then too and yada yada um and red so, guardian is so cartoonishly evil <laughs> that it, it throws any subtlety like that out the window also when when he said that the um the copies of like the disc that he stole were in ashes i was like oh he like burned them in a parking lot he didn't i he burnt down the whole building like I what kind of spy are you <laughs> That's a good point. Subtle. <laughs> yeah, they'll never figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was here for uh for Florence Pugh though. Uh she's my new crush uh forever. Audrey Plaza, I'm sorry, but Florence Pugh is hot and really funny in this. Um, when she's looking at the avalanche and she says, uh, it's a cool way to die or whatever. I was like, all right, that's funny. <laughs> no, I, I think I, it was. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying, I think it's something like with all the tactical gear and shit on her. I, I don't know. Just doing something for me. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the Florence Pugh hipster because I've been I've been singing her praises ever since uh, Midsummer. Mm-hmm. She's so good in that, and she's so cute. And was Wasn't like, she in uh, Fighting with My Family, the WWE movie? I believe so. I didn't see it. I didn't see it either, That's but I I know I think movie. she was in that. Yeah, yeah, she is. Um, oh, she is. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I'd recommend uh, checking it out. It's especially if you like like WWE. But um, she's definitely the best part about this movie, other than like that opening. So like the best character, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they try and make her sort of silly. There's that fun moment in the car where I actually think it is kind of funny and cute. Where she's like, "Look at all these fucking pockets." <laughs> <laughs> like it's so useful, and I was I... like, "That's." That's a cute moment for someone who's been brainwashed all her life. Like it I, is, but I fucking hate that vest. Um, I hated like two or three things in this movie: the vest, and then the uh, the looking at the bottle of bleach. Um, and it, like, oh yeah, we have to know exactly how uh, Natasha gets into like where she is in Endgame. We have to know how uh, she got that cool vest and why and how she dyed her hair. Like you didn't have to explain that. It, it could have just. Ha- it's like the it's the Han Solo thing all over yep. again. Like, oh, you're by yourself, then Han Solo. I'm like, we don't need this. It's hand holding. It's hand holding. Yeah. yeah. It treats the audience like they're morons, um, which is really funny when if it's the same company that just made Loki. That's not hand holding at all. Like, in bad very marketing high move, by the way to release this movie <laughs> and then release the finale of Loki. <laughs> which are so different in their levels of quality i literally left the theater and i was like all right but when's loki coming up mm-hmm. because i want <laughs> to talk about terrible action too this movie um some it, it, of the worst action i've seen in incredibly the boring yeah like the whole fight between red guardian and um taskmaster it doesn't exist it's like two no. punches and then it cuts away and then it cuts to um natasha like admittedly having a couple cool lines with uh uh vigo or whatever his name is harvey um, weinstein 
Yeah, yeah, he looks exactly like Harvey Weinstein. I couldn't, well, I couldn't stop thinking that. Yeah, I was about oh, to say it's it? probably on purpose. Okay. Oh yeah, because the whole thing was like a metaphor for taking advantage of girls. Mm-hmm. And I mean, oh, that's true. You know, he's like, he's like, oh, the most useful resource resource in the world, girls. And yeah, a TV full of them. And there's a there's a strange thing really about <laughs> there's a strange thing about uh, sniffing and smelling girls. Yeah. And pheromones and stuff. Pheromones, yeah, yeah. I was laughing so hard. I was like, let me so get this stupid. straight. Black Widow can't punch Harvey Weinstein because he's got such bad stank. Like, I was <laughs> dying in the theater. What? Uh Hey, 100% of the time, dumb. it works 50% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, and he had, like, I think my one of my favorite lines, too, which is like, you want me dead, here I am. What are we going to do about this? And then, like, I was like, oh, cool. This is a kind of badass villain. And then, yeah, they reduce it down to a very heavy-handed metaphor um, that, like, yeah, we know. Like, we're not, it's not a revelation that creeps are bad guys. (laughs) That, like, give me something a little more interesting. Make it scarier. I was going to say is, like, the villains in this movie, this is, like, one of the down, like, falls of this movie for me, is you have like him who it, it just like it doesn't really like build up at all and then you have taskmaster who doesn't really have like what's her purpose to get back at natasha for blowing up the building just but to, she like, doesn't which was weird yeah, like that's the thing like there's no like you said there's no action like she just seemed kind of hell-bent on getting the vials and there wasn't well, yeah, and that, like yeah, a that's big her, purpose she's mind controlled too so that is her purpose which yeah makes her kind of a weak villain because it's like all right so you're not even you don't have any anonymity or not uh autonomy with your own villainy like you're just an extension of this other dude that we don't see until the movie's almost over um and who's not all that scary really because the, the second um he started punching natasha I was like, oh, okay, she's going to break her nose, not smell him. She's going to get out of this. Um, there was no moment where I ever felt like she was in any danger, even forgetting that Endgame happens. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a serious lack of tension throughout this entire uh, this entire movie. The weird thing about Taskmaster, too, is that like, if she un-mind controls or uses the the fucking vape juice or whatever she like blows up in her face <laughs> like wouldn't she still be mad at natasha natasha's the one that blew her up yeah yeah there's still uh there's still like a chip on her shoulder there's gotta be she's like yeah, she I looks mean, she looks like, hideous <laughs> half her face is melted off are you not mad about that she, she was like though, is so my cool. dad dead and natasha's it, like it's okay the bad man is dead i'm like you blew her up yeah that's the like kind of hand wave for that too it's like oh she's not mad at natasha she's mad at her dad for like mind controlling her she can be mad at both that's okay and also yeah. This movie made people have been begging for, oh, what happened in Budapest? We've wanted to know since Avengers. There's a line in Avengers where they're joking about what happened in Budapest very lightheartedly. And then come to find out that's when Natasha killed a kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> also, it doesn't make any sense. So they thought like, they thought that they well, killed a kid. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were like, we're just, oh, just, it's bad. just like Budapest. I'm like, how are aliens and killing children? 
anywhere <laughs> being the same thing. It's the buildings. The buildings falling. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, guess. I, I can draw the metaphor because in my mind, children are like aliens. <laughs> I think what you're describing is too complicated for a female-driven superhero movie. I mean, because if the reason that Taskmaster wasn't angry at her dad or wasn't angry at Black Widow is because they had to be angry at a man. Mm-hmm. Because this is a very bland story that's trying to inject yeah. a very weak through line of feminism. So they were like, oh, it can't be the woman that's a fault. It's the man. Yeah, which is super disappointing because one, we're better than that. Like, that's the most spoon fed, like, hey, are you a good person? Do you believe that women shouldn't be beaten and mind controlled? Like, yeah, almost everyone who's watching this is on that side. Let's get a little more complex with this. Um, and like they kind of do that with Sylvie and Loki, where she is the only female variant of Loki we see, and we see her um, almost get like abused more than the rest. And there's stuff you can do with that. But then I'm reminded of everything that happened in Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I have no faith that they're going to do anything interesting with like those kind of topics. So at this point, I kind of want them to stay away from those topics if they have nothing to really add. The least interesting thing you can do is point out somebody's race or gender like, and make that the point of your story. Mm-hmm. If you want a strong character, just make that person a strong, just write a strong arc, write strong character traits. It doesn't need to be, hey, look at this. She's a woman, so she's powerful. And then constantly reminding. Mm-hmm. And, and like the, the perfect example is Tenet. Like John David Washington is black. But it's, he's not like, I'm really good at going back in time because I'm black. Like, he's just black. And that's totally fine. And then you move on and you realize that he mm-hmm. is that powerful through his actions. Not It's the show don't tell thing. Yeah, and that's what, um, because, and there's a, this happens a lot where they try just to yeah make a character black or female or something else. And it comes through as really clumsy and heavy-handed um the ghostbusters remake i think is a great example of that happening um where all right we get it they're women and they're funny can we have like an actual plot now um and i (laughs) saw a great i I saw a great video explaining why this doesn't work um imagine if you made peter parker black it wouldn't make any sense um none of you're kind of just forgetting everything about the character of peter parker um and how being black in new york with the cops chasing you kind of have a has a different sense if he's black but then you have miles morales who has a different backstory and is a character all of his own that all of that uh nuance is built into his character and you can actually do interesting things with it um i mean falcon and winter soldier had that problem where it literally ends with them saying oh it's the same it's just black and I think that's what the show was trying to say is that, oh, he's just like uh, uh, Steve, but he's black. And that's not how we should be talking about this. They're very right. different people. It's, yeah. it's, it's white, white male show writers trying mm-hmm. to show diversity and representation. Yeah, <laughs> and never working. reading a single book in their life, apparently. Yeah, and Falcon the Winter Soldier is a little different because the whole, you know, the whole thing with like that, that, um the black super soldier that was sort of forgotten and mm-hmm. in jail um and, and you know they try and play that up but yeah it's if they did if they did wanted to make one of these other characters black the problem is that the, that would be the character trait 
I think is the biggest problem with this. And it's the same thing with, you know, I mean, Captain Marvel is the biggest defender of this is that she can do no wrong and that it's everybody else's fault and because she has to be strong and powerful, but you know, you don't get that if your character isn't interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we haven't had a black widow movie until now, but she's been in other movies before captain Marvel. And there was never a moment, maybe age of Ultron, slight moment, age of Ultron, where they point out that she's a woman. But other than that, she's just a badass and she just does badass shit. Same with um, Hawkeye. But then you have Captain Marvel that the entire movie is like, she's a girl and she can do it too. It's like, yeah, we know where we get that. Can we have a real plot and real like character development and conflicts other than just, yeah, she's, she's a girl. I don't I think superheroes well, care at that point. They're superheroes. <laughs> I was going to say, like, throughout, like, all the films, Black Widow, like, you see flaws, you see character development, you see a good arc, like, those are things that help, like, create good representation of, like, the people that you're trying to represent, you know? Mm. Yeah, and I I think the perfect example of that, to your point, is uh, her arc in Winter Soldier, because that was a really fun dynamic where it was, like, the, you know, the goody two-shoes straight and narrow soldier has to deal up has to you know partner up with this spy who is always double crossing people and can never be trusted and that's Mm -hmm. a fun dynamic in that movie and they learn to trust each other but it's never about her being a woman it's just her being a spy and then having to work together and that's what makes that movie so interesting um and there's definitely moments in here where they kind of forego that and you know the whole harvey weinstein plot is a little heavy-handed but my other gripe with this, um, kind of completely unrelated, but she's not a superhuman, right? How is she still alive after being blown off that bridge? And then, like, her ragdoll body as she falls off that building? And they, again, hand wave it away with some fucking bruises on her back. You would have a lot more than some bruises. They tried to make this movie another world-ending event which they really needed to keep it small scale and they didn't do that. They were like fortress in the sky and everything's going to get taken over and millions of spies. And I'm like, we didn't need any of this. And it could have been very, very small scale. It could have been just, if they had fleshed out the taskmaster character and just made her a reflection of black widow and sort of like her needing to atone for the sins of her past. Like, Mm. look at what you've done. You create your own monsters. You create your own demons kind of thing um that would have been really interesting but instead we have a giant fat man in a floating tower who can't be smelled and that's the movie that we got <laughs> yeah this just especially being delayed like a year and a half this movie just didn't have a chance i don't think no i think they just put it out like fuck it like this just needs to get out so we can move on like yeah we're, we know this isn't going to make as much money as the others. We know that people aren't excited for this anymore. So let's just, we're going to put on Disney plus too. Let's just get it out the door. Yeah. We're going to finish <laughs> up with Loki. So people have something strong to remember the MCU yeah. before the next big thing. Like we just, we just need to push this out. What is the next big thing? Eternal. No, Spider-Man. Isn't it Spider-Man? It's Spider-Man's it's... Christmas. Isn't Dr. Strange coming out soon? Oh, that might be before that, actually. Yeah. So it looks like Eternals is November. Um, so that would be before Spider-Man. Um, let's see. What is it? Phase five? Phase four. Phase four. Phase four. Really? Jesus. 
I will say I don't recommend this movie for 30 bucks on Disney Plus because that's how <laughs> I watched it. Was I was I streamed it on Disney Plus? I for 30 bucks I, I no. Yeah, save no. your money. Wait when till it comes to Disney Plus for free. I think then you could probably watch it. <laughs> Wait till it's included in your subscription. Don't <laughs> don't rush out and grab your wallet to get this. No, it's not worth it. It's just it's again the, I'm I'm trashing this movie hard and I think everyone's going to think that I really hated it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was just fine. And I think was, you have a lot of flaws and I think it's valid. Yeah. With, with, with the current state of Marvel movies, this movie's kind of unacceptable in terms of how it was. If this was a phase one film, I think I would have been more forgiving. Or if this had come around that time, phase one, phase two, especially, I would have been like, oh, you know, that was fine. And I would have been like, oh, there's some good parts here and there. But having it come out now after the last movie being far from home, which is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. this just felt like such a huge step back from that and like it fell out of a time warp from 2014 yeah they can do so much better and not to say that it was awful i'll probably watch this movie again like if i do a rewatch of them i will always skip captain marvel though because that movie sucks i will always skip thor dark world because that movie sucks this is just not up to snuff though also uh shang chi is the next one and then i eternals there's three movies coming out this year. Yeah, Shang-Chi, uh, Eternals, and then December is uh, Spider-Man. Well, we have a lot of content for the channel, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't. Even, I didn't know that all three of those were coming out this year. I, I for some reason I thought Doctor Strange had been moved to next year, but I guess not. It's March 2022. Oh, yeah. okay. So it was okay. I'm sorry. You said Eternals, right? That yeah, was Eternals is yeah, um, November. Okay. Gotcha. So that's almost four. That's like four movies in the span of seven or eight months. Yeah. <laughs> Which also, um, they said this movie was ready to go for the past year. Like they haven't done any touch-ups for it or anything. So you have to imagine like is Eternals also just sitting there waiting to be released? It's possible. Um, they really needed to touch up this movie. This movie has some of the worst special effects I've seen in any Marvel movie. It's, you know, for the amount of money they spend on it, a lot of their special effects are garbage. Um, I think it's in Infinity War. Uh, there's a scene, they went back and fixed it on Disney Plus, but there's a scene where uh, Black Panther is like standing on a hill and you can see the under armor, like uh, undershirt he has under his costume. Um, and there's also in Black Panther, a lot of really bad green screen. Um, and for movies where you're spending like, half a billion dollars maybe spend a little more time on really simple cg stuff you hit the nail on the head it's a time thing i mean when you're putting out now apparently like four movies within the span of under a year you're just not going to have time to work on cgi like you used to it's the reason why iron man one looks better than infinity war because they spent two whole years on that movie Mm -hmm. and infinity war they spent six months it's just it's a you know Quality. I'm looking at the the release thing. They have uh so like you said, Shang-Chi Eternals, Spider-Man all this year, Doctor Strange in March, Thor in May, uh Black Panther July. So it's like they're banging them out. Yeah. And they really That's are. I don't know what the hell they're gonna do with Black Panther. Six movies in one year. Uh if you count uh Black Widow, that's seven movies in a span of a year. Barely, Not to mention but... the like three or four other TV shows that are coming out. I mean, you're never going to see good CGI in these movies again. There's no. just no way. 
Yeah, I mean, ILM only has so many people to, like, you just have to have, like, sweatshops of CG workers at that point. You kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it's kind of the state of the visual effects industry right now. Um, oh, yeah, all the other shows, too. Like, we haven't gotten much word on them, have we? But, um, like, Hawkeye is supposed to be soon. Like That's this year. Yeah, What If is happening, like, next week, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's starting armor wars the the lady iron man one the i mean there's there's she hulk she hulk yeah i'm excited for hawkeye because uh the those comics were really good so hope and it's based on the uh hawkeye comics so yeah he's he's definitely and i think jeremy renner does a great job as hawkeye i think he's always like put his best foot forward especially in Mm -hmm. age of ultron he's the best part of that movie absolutely yeah but uh but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I just, I, it was, I thought it was going to be really interesting comparing these two, um, this movie and this show that both came out around the same time. Cause to me, it's just, it's so wildly different and leaps the quality and is so different. Yeah. It's just leaps and bounds. I mean, everything that I don't like about the MCU stuff is in Black Widow and everything that I love about the MCU is in Loki. And it just felt like this weird, like fucked up Venn diagram <laughs> that <laughs> I wanted to compare these two because it was almost like how to um, conclude a character, how to deconstruct a character versus how not to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like as far as we knew going into Loki, that could have been this could have been the last time we saw Loki, and we knew it was going to be probably the last time we see uh, Natasha. Um, and both of them, yeah, set up very differently how we feel about those characters when it it's over because like. I might have gotten kind of choked up at the post credit scene, but that's just because I'm a bitch. Um, there was nothing actually sentimental about uh, like her gravestone at that point, especially because her last words or like some of her last words in Endgame are like, you have a family, I don't. But this movie ends with her saying she has two families. So, yeah, it does kind of demean, it like diminishes what was happening in Endgame a little bit. Although, fucking Val. Um, Chris, you haven't met her in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier yet. Which, Connor, when um, that happened in Falcon and Winter Soldier, did you read the stuff that says, uh, like, oh, she's supposed to be in Black Widow? That will explain her character more. It they sure didn't. didn't. It fucking didn't at all. Nope. <laughs> like, that... Especially because she's a very complex character in the comic books. She's a good guy, bad guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy type character. So what is she right now? Is it just the Thunderbolts? Because Thunderbolt Ross is looking a little old. So he probably can't be leading that team anymore. Or are no. they doing Dark Avengers or what? What are they doing? I think that's probably what they're going to end up doing. If I, yeah, the, the, the way this movie should have ended, the post credit scene, it should have been her sister going up to Black Widow's grave. It should have been her paying her respects. It should have panned over to the grave next to her and it should have said unknown, which is what her mother, she should have been buried next to her mother. And then it should have ended. That should have been it. Got chills right there. <laughs> that They set that up in the movie perfectly. They mm-hmm. were like, your mother, I put her in the grave marked unknown because fuck her and fuck women. I'm Harvey Weinstein. Fuck you. But then they set that up. And then in the end, like I'm telegraphing the script in my head. I'm like, that's exactly what's going to happen. But instead, Julia Louis-Dreyfus just blows her nose and makes a shitty joke, and then the movie's over. I'm like, what a fucking piss-poor way to end your mm-hmm. movie. 
like who wrote this like a 12 year old it was awful it yeah it's weird that because it seems like kevin feige like cares about what's happening with these movies to the point where he just had a meeting about the rules of the multiverse but then they allow something like this which kind of tells me that no one cared about this movie and it being written and they just said hey make sure you have a scene with val yeah i think that's all they cared about was that end credit scene they were like do literally whatever you want it doesn't matter this movie doesn't matter and we don't care how well it does because it's not part of this next phase of Marvel anymore. Yeah. Like we got seven more movies coming out. We got way more shit that people are going to be excited about. So, you know, and that's a shame because movies like this get tossed to the side because they're like, we don't need to put that, many, that much resource or, you know, time or effort into the writing. Like who cares? Yeah. So speaking of a superhero movie with low budget and time and care putting into it are we talking about that spider-man lotus dude the fucking that segue was excellent (laughs) i watch a lot of podcasts (laughs) hey if you guys have ads you need done i can uh, i can talk about toilets shaving um my underpants got it all i got scripts let's go i would love that yeah (laughs) we're not even sponsored but go (laughs) Uh, i i saw this trailer and it got me really excited i guess for anyone who doesn't know um this iteration of spider-man is a fan-made film it's not it has nothing to do with sony or marvel um it's just one guy and his small crew and they're making a movie called spider-man lotus which is gonna be an adaptation of two excellent spider-man stories um it's the kid who collects spider-man which is one of my favorite spider-man stories and then it's gonna be spider-man blue which deals with the death of Gwen Stacy and sort of the fallout and aftermath of that. Um, and in the trailer, they show a lot. They show that, you know, the kid, the kid, for anyone who doesn't know, the kid who collects Spider-Man, the basic story of that is that there's a kid who's, who's collecting a bunch of Spider-Man memorabilia and he has all this stuff. He basically worships Spider-Man. He's the number one fan. And Peter finds out about this and he goes to visit him and he sort of, he, he's going through the collection with the kid and he finds out like what kind of um, he's basically explaining all this memorabilia. He's like, Oh, that's when I fought, um, you know, who the green goblin or whatever. Like he's just going through all of it and explaining everything. And then they get to a point where Peter starts talking about all the stuff that he's done wrong. Um, and he confesses to the kid about uncle Ben thinking that the kid will see him in a different light, but the kid still is like, no, you know, you're still a hero to me, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of it, he asks him if he can reveal his face and he does. And he shows him that he's Peter Parker. And then he, you know, decides after he does this, the kid calls him Peter and they have a whole other conversation. And as Spider-Man is leaving, you, you find out that the kid is terminally ill and he only has a couple of weeks left to live. So he was basically doing kind of a make-a-wish sort of thing, but it's also sort of a deconstruction of the Spider-Man character. And that story is awesome and it's really fucked up and it's really sad. And I would love to see that along with Spider-Man blue. Cause the whole thing is Gwen Stacy died. So if they use the kid who collects Spider-Man as a frame to show flashbacks of what has happened already, like the whole narrative is told through that point of view. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, kind of jumping off that. I think my least favorite thing about uh, Marvel Spider-Man, like the uh, Tom Holland, is he's not Peter Parker, not the Peter Parker that uh, we see in the comics who 
makes all these really hard choices and just gets shit on that Parker luck. Um, like the ultimate Spider-Man um, comics were some of my favorite Marvel comics. Um, we see it in the video game too. They kind of do it where <clears throat> Peter does not catch a break ever. Um, and he doesn't care that he doesn't catch a break a lot of times. Um, he's just a good person. Um, almost to the point of Captain America, but even Captain America gets to live a pretty cushy life a lot of the time. Um, Peter's always just this dude that barely scraping by and sacrifices his love, his family, his everything just to help people and be good. And uh, then fails a lot of the time. Um, and we get to see him deal with that failure. Unlike a lot of characters, I feel like who, Oh, failure is just like, whatever. I never fail. Peter is very imperfect. Um, and it'd be interesting to get a good character story with him. Um, so something like this, is really exciting because the Tobey Maguire I hate Tobey Maguire <laughs> as Peter Parker Andrew Garfield like I thought they were going with something like this when we watched Amazing Spider-Man 2 and wait a minute wait a minute hold on a second <laughs> no yeah I hate Tobey Maguire I, I like Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker I didn't know that I didn't know you hated yeah. so I knew you liked Andrew Garfield because I think you and I shared that sentiment that is yeah his performance is very underrated I didn't know you hated Tobey Maguire though he's a 40 year old man and he's like it's really creepy um like there's peter is a really cool character um even more interesting than the character of spider-man um and he i don't think he's been done right yet um and kind of calling back to what i was talking about earlier about making peter black i think they made miles white and then called him tom holland's peter barker um it's just it doesn't seem like anyone gets his character um, all that much, but it does seem like this trailer might kind of do it a little better. And I'm hoping they don't try to do a lot of action or a lot of massive set pieces. I think it would be best just to do like, yeah, um, vignettes of him growing as a character, failing, persevering, uh, giving up, stuff like that. I don't think they have the budget to do any, that too. anything major. Um their their target goal for this their ideal goal was uh twenty twenty thousand dollars and they're 25. 25 was it 25 i i just pulled up their indiegogo gotcha okay yeah so their indiegogo yeah so i guess it was twenty five thousand they were hoping for and they're currently at chris it's like fifty three thousand something like that yeah 53 um so they have way blown way past mm. their you know their highest expectations which is awesome because i think we're going to be able to see um you know the movie's definitely going to look a whole lot better than i think they were planning on it but the director of this movie gavin something it's gonna bother me i can't remember it's like conan or something or it's a weird name gavin j something chris do you have it up uh canop yeah gavin j canop so i was watching an interview with him and he really seems like he understands this character at a, on a fundamental level. Um, something he said that I think is, you know, very apparent, but also I think to your point, Austin, a lot of times just swept under the rug is that he made the comparison to Superman. Mm-hmm. He said, Superman is who you want to be. Spider-Man is who you already are. Like that character's set, that the laundry list of faults and problems and things that he has to deal with, that's mm-hmm. you, that's your life. So that's why everyone relates to him so much and yeah. people. And I think, you know, I, I, I like Tom Holland a lot. 
and I, I like those movies for what they are. But I mean, Homecoming especially is not a good Spider-Man film. Um, it's a fun comedy and it's a fun MCU film, but it's not a good Spider-Man movie because he has no consequences. He has no problems. And ultimately it feels like they're missing that key component of what makes a good Peter Parker story. Yeah. I think what makes a good Peter Parker story is the tragedy. It's um, because yeah, in homecoming. Oh no. uh, The cute girl likes him, but her dad's a villain. Like, yeah, it seems like a comedic like over the top. Like um, there's not a moment of he might lose his job or, his aunt's respect or um a friend or something like that all his friends now know that he's spider-man he gets to bring them on his fun little missions um he there is yeah no real life consequences for peter maybe for spider-man there will be some in the next movie but for peter it seems like a lot of the time things work out for the best um and that's just not kind of what we see a lot of the times um in the comics into the spider-verse i think did it best where they show peter b parker who's really down on his luck and he still can't help but sacrifice um to help people and the last line of that movie is even you can wear the mask and it yeah it goes to your point of spider-man is who we are um it's all our faults and all our hopes of being better yeah no i, I completely agree that movie is just a love letter to oh, spider-man yeah. in general spider-verse is so good it's, I, it's amazing um i'm not usually a f- like I don't usually care about the Indiegogo like GoFundMe pages like this because usually the stuff that comes out of that is garbage um, and or the projects, they just steal a bunch of money and the projects never complete. Um, this feels different to me and I can't really explain why. Maybe it was that initial trailer, um, mm-hmm. but I just I feel like this is going to be really good, even if it's not super high budget and even if, you know, there's some things here and there that I don't love just because of the it's, you know, they don't have the money to make really what they want to do. I still think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is what comics are made for. Um, not every comic has to be a uh, civil war. There are comics where it's a few pages and they really hit hard, even though not a lot happens. Um, like there's one issue of um, X-Men uh, where Wolverine has to go tell a kid like, Hey, you're a mutant. And your mutant ability is that you're um, nuclear and you're giving off so much radiation, you've killed everyone in this town. And the kid's like, oh, so you're going to take me to Professor X and you're going to teach me how to control it? And Wolverine just goes, no, you we, you can't control it. So I'm going to have to kill you right here. And it's a really hard moment. And it's like six pages of a comic. There's no big evil, bad or world ending event. It's just you get to see these characters in a really raw form. Um, and it'll be interesting if we get more stuff like that in movies where independent creators get to tell their story with these characters. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Chris, how do you like did, did the trailer? Did you think it looked good or like what, what are your overall opinions on, on what this could be? No, I think it looks good. I think it's you know, it's it's a chance for them to tell their story. Um, I, I definitely would would like to watch it when it comes out, see what their take is on it and uh there is one worrying thing for me though and that is is sony or marvel gonna do a cease and desist on this whole project i don't know there there it wouldn't shock me um because this has gotten a lot of buzz so it wouldn't shock me if they decided to do something like that usually with the spider-man stuff 
they kind of give you free reign as long as you're not charging for it or making a profit. Like they, they kind of let you do whatever. I mean, there's animated Spider-Man stuff. There's other short films that are on YouTube. Um, I, I don't think so. Cause it's not Warner brothers and it's not Nintendo, but <laughs> you know, who knows? They said it is nonprofit uh, like in their Indiegogo or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm just looking through the Twitter real quick. They say Green Goblin is not in it. Good. Uh, I I hate that a lot of um, comic book movies feel like they have to go with the biggest bad a lot of the times. No, and in this one, Harry Osborn is going to be like he is in the comics. Like he's going to have a crippling drug addiction. Mm-hmm. See that they, in the trailer when he's like looking around uh, Times Square or whatever. If you look at their story on their Indiegogo, they literally so they have the actor who's portraying each person and then they have like a little comic book i'll throw it on screen but they have like a little comic uh like picture of the character that they're playing and the one for harry osborne he's literally like chucking some pills into his mouth yeah no that's something that's never been discussed in any of the live action iterations of spider-man um and if they're going for sort of this melancholic feel like they like you know the whole atmosphere surrounding spider-man blue then that would really make sense if that's the direction that they're going for it. Well, Spider-Man typically, not to say it's marketed for kids, but a lot no, of yeah, kids. But yeah, you're right. It's a huge demographic. Yeah, the, that's not the <laughs> that's not the Sony or Marvel way to do it. <laughs> Which is such a pain because we know that that stuff works. Look at, I mean, Deadpool's a comedy, but I feel like you could do serious uh, comic book movies that aren't goofy deadpool nonsense but still have them be already that i mean logan works um for different reasons logan works but i feel like it would be worth the risk to spend like if you're marvel spend fifty thousand dollars on someone's pet project let them have that and get a little chunk of change and see how it goes you're not losing that much like you're you're disney money doesn't mean anything have fun do something cool i don't know why they don't do that like they do in star wars where now on disney plus they have the legends category mm-hmm. it's like 2d clone wars and all and the, the holiday specials and all the stuff that like isn't canon i don't know why they don't give a voice to young creators and be like hey you're gonna end up on this section of disney plus it's not canon it's not mcu but we're going to review what you have and we're going to give you some creative freedom to do mm-hmm. basically whatever you want. Here's a budget of, again, like, you know, $50,000, make your movie. And then we're going to, you know, put it on this platform and see how well it does. That would also gauge audience interest in maybe something that they could do that is canon in the future. So I think that's mm-hmm. a great idea. It's, it's funny because we talk about like DC being behind the game, but it seems like they're the ones doing that right now with the, uh the batman coming out and with joker these are these stories where it's like elseworld stories or black label type stories aren't that aren't canon that aren't connected to anything and a little more artsy a little less uh uh, blockbuster and seems to be working for them uh we haven't seen the batman yet but i'm probably gonna watch it four times (laughs) i'll definitely watch it you know you might see that from marvel more now though with the end Mm -hmm. of loki it it being an infinite amount of realities you might see Hey, here's Spider-Man. If he wore a dress, I don't know. You know, like you can literally do whatever you want. So yeah, it, I I could definitely see them working that into um, the non-canon section of Disney Plus or whatever they want to do. 
but this is the one I've never kickstarted anything before. Um, and I'm definitely going to give this money. Like I'm, I'm really excited about, I'm actually going to put the link in the description too. Maybe we can like throw it up on screen or whatever, but um, if this, if you read the Indiegogo and you guys are interested in this, like feel free to donate and, and we're not sponsored by them. We're not being asked to do this. This is just my own personal thing. I would love to see them get as much money as possible to create the best possible movie. Um, and there's like, I, I know there's a bunch of tiers. You can like get your name in the credits. You can get a Blu-ray copy. Um, but yeah, definitely support these guys. Cause it seems like this director so far has a really good grasp of what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. And I'm excited to see his, you know, not Disney interfered, Sony interfered vision of what a Spider-Man movie should be. Yeah, cheapest, I'm definitely. Oh, go ahead. I say the cheapest option is five bucks, name and credits. So, if you really want to, you know. Yeah, I mean, five bucks is like a burger. Yeah, it like feeds one of the the cast members for a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll definitely like be keeping an eye on this, and this is the first I've heard of it. So I'm like super happy to um, to keep an eye on it and hopefully watch it one day. Yeah, I wasn't following this at all. I had no idea it was even happening until that trailer came out and it blew up online. Because mm-hmm. um, you see before, all the other stuff has pretty low views. It was like, oh, here's some behind the scenes footage and here's some cast interviews. And they were each at like, you know, 10, 20,000 views, you know, nothing crazy. Um, and then the trailer shot up to, I think, pretty close to a half a million, which is insane. So I feel like there's probably a lot of pressure on... Uh, gavin right now <laughs> like he was like oh i only thought a couple people were gonna yeah, see this it's, it's his to fuck up now yeah like you have that traction do something with it yeah exactly so we'll see what happens but uh yeah i'm just really excited to to see what they they do with this and i'm also again really excited to see no way home now yeah. that loki has set it up to be this crazy multiverse hopping movie but if we don't see Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, I, I'm mad. Like, I hate to be one of those people that expect something from a movie without any reason to, but come on. Like, we've been asking for it for years. I don't think it's unrealistic, especially because Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx are both going to be in that movie confirmed mm-hmm. already. So I'm like, how are you going to do that and not have the other? Also, Jamie Foxx's wording with it is that, like, he already deleted it, but he said, I'm back as Electro, except I'm not blue this time, Mm -hmm. which makes it seem like, yeah, it's a variant of Electro or something. Yeah, it'll be more like the comic, not the ultimate version, but just the regular comic Mm -hmm. Electro. Uh, Yeah, so with that, I guess we can uh, wrap things up, Chris. Yeah, um, so thank you guys for watching. I hope you guys enjoyed our uh, Marvel talk and fan-made Spider-Man talk and leave a like if you liked it leave a comment if you you know are you excited for the spider-man movie what were your thoughts on loki or black widow um subscribe if you're not already subscribed ring the bell for notifications all that good stuff um and then and real us. real quick this week i just wanted to mention the highlight thing just to like yeah. really throw that out there um, do you want yes. to go ahead and talk about that yeah so we're gonna be um kind of putting out some highlights uh some more digestible like shorter length videos from this podcast so we'll probably i don't know if we'll put them out before or after the podcast we haven't really decided yet but we want to kind of um 
just make it easier for people instead of having to watch like a whole hour or hour and a half podcast you can just kind of watch you know maybe a 20 minute or 15 minute video um so a lot of the discussions are going to be re-uploaded to separate videos yeah i think what's going to happen is that we'll release because we released the podcast on friday um and then over the course of that weekend and the next week we'll just slowly throw out a video or two or three you know whatever the however many topics we discuss um as highlights up until when we release the next video so that way we're always kind of you know releasing content it doesn't you know it won't ever get stale for you guys and yeah like chris said if you want to watch just like oh i don't give a fuck about black widow but i want to see the loki review then you know this is exactly how you'll be able to do it yeah i think there's this good like we draw some good comparisons in the podcast where like we compare loki and black widow and that might not necessarily make it into some of those highlight videos so you know if you're looking for more in depth definitely keep watching the podcast or if you want something a little shorter uh, but still get our thoughts and watch the videos. Yep. But other than that, I think uh, that's the end of the episode. Uh, thank you guys for being on. We'll see you yeah, next Thank week. you for coming on, Austin. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's always a great time. Bye, everybody. See you next week.